Back to Ars Arcanum, an exploration of Brandon Sanderson's Cosmore. Cosmore. <laughs> setting and books. I'm Nora, I'm joined by Mark. Hi, I'm Mark. And I'm also joined by Autumn. Uh, I'm gonna take the case off my phone so I don't fiddle with it through the whole podcast. I also set the phone down. No. Uh. It seems like most of us haven't been reading much this week. Well, yeah, yeah, uh, except for that we read *Heir to the Empire*. Yeah, I the, the only book I read is *Heir to the Empire*, which we already podcasted about. So I will. We can it. tell the people about the podcast. Yeah, listen. if they want to hear us talk about *Heir to the Empire*, you can listen to *The War in Our Stars*, which is my Star Wars book club podcast. It was a good podcast. Yeah, we also read *Elantris*. We read Elantris. We did. <laughs> things continue to happen. You know what? More things happened this week than have ever happened in Elantris. Uh, yeah, I think this is the most like active uh, set of chapters that we've read. Uh, should we just get into it? Yeah. Um, I guess I'll read uh, the raid in summary as always. Um, chapter 25. Serene and Raiden distribute food offerings along with other nobles. Raiden regrets that he has to keep his identity secret from his noble friends, but enjoys spending time with his wife. <laughs> secret I wife. also I also enjoy that. Uh, after the nobles leave, Raiden and his crew gather the non-food offerings that had been given part. Raiden and his crew gather together the non-food offerings that had been given as part of the agreement with Serene. Though the princess fulfilled the intent of the request, but undermined the spirit by giving items that were unwieldy or unpleasant to adapt to their intended uses. Undermine, undermine the spirit, huh? Shut up. Raiden's <laughs> apprehensions about the food offerings are coming true, and many are abandoning new Elantris to loiter by the city gates. Salen gets severely wounded on his arm and tells Raiden that Shaor's gang is now better armed and acting more strategically and less bestially than previous. Uh, Raiden says that they must focus on keeping Shaor's followers away from Serene and the nobles to avoid losing a battle, to avoid a losing battle, and that they must discover what Serene's hidden motives are. Raiden practices Aeon several hours a day and is gaining great skill in pushing his constant agony to the back of his mind while he practices. Galadon raises their crops alone now since his helpers have departed New Elantris. Galadon and Raiden discuss Raiden's increasing knowledge about Aeons, and Raiden realizes from a case study that he read, uh, a case study that he read about alludes to a malformed Aeon spell that caused symptoms similar to a post-Riode Elantrian transformation, and theorizes that this that their transformations are in suspended animation but being blocked from being completed. Raiden interrogates Galadon about his suspicious amount of knowledge regarding Elantris, and Galadon reveals that he actually grew up in Elantris and that his father was an Elantrian. 
Galadon returned to the Duladel Republic to become a farmer when he was old enough since he fell out of place in Elantris, only returning after his own transformation. Raiden has a flash of insight and goes to the Hall of the Fallen, realizing intuitively that one of the Hoed was an Elantrian from before the Riode. The Hoed asks to be taken out of Elantris, and Raiden, along with a few others, bring him to a special shrine-like building that the Hoed was able to direct them to that has sludge-free walls, a lot of books, and a mural of an Elantrian diving into the lake. The Hoed directs Raiden, Galadon, and Karada to another passage, which led to a path to the mountainside and up to a pool. The Hoed is placed into the pool and dissolves, shocking Raiden and the others. Raiden asks to be given the same treatment when he becomes a Hoed. Uh, Raiden does so much in this chapter. <laughs> he has a this brain is a blast. Long... Yes. He realizes intuitively. <laughs> he realizes from reading the script. <laughs> yeah, it really does kind of come out of nowhere. Um, it just, it's not like a satisfying narrative when Rayadin just reads a book off screen and then comes back and is like, I've solved another piece of the mystery. It's just not like good or interesting <laughs> there's no clues for me the reader there, to be like oh i wonder where this is gonna go like sanderson will do this again later with like having little details like the guy saying so beautiful and then having a character like remember stuff like that but it'll be way more obvious and way more like constructed yeah and like yeah. this like was so tenuously connected to what he was thinking and so such a stretch for him to like be able to figure this out and like be able to use that information to deduce that he was an old Elantrian and figure out a way to talk to him it's just a little a bit of a stretch and separately he has a brain blast about uh Galadon's backstory and Galadon's like I don't want to tell you my backstory asshole <laughs> And yet he does. And yet he does. <laughs> yeah, there's... And he realizes, or, well, you know, we don't know for sure that this is correct, but, like, it's obviously gonna be correct. He realizes that all of the um, current Elantrians are, like, in the middle of, like, a suspended version of the transformation that would... what should have made them, like, I actual had, Elantrians. I had to read that three times because I was like... I feel like I just, like, spaced out for a second and missed a detail. No, he just jumps from a, a reading about somebody trying to cure palsy to to this. It it did not make a lick of sense to me. Uh, Tosses yeah. a folder on your desk. You ever heard of a knife alien? What? <laughs> this is what Raiden is doing to Galadon. He's like, you ever heard of this? <laughs> okay, yeah, okay. <laughs> It's just, it's a lot. It's a lot. Raiden is very smart and very cool. And he's right that if you give people what they need without them having to work for it, they will just expect that and uh, not do anything but wait for the next handout. So Raiden uh. is literally uh, a McDonald's business, like, a McDonald's franchise owner, like, mad about Joe Biden's unemployment checks being better than what, uh, like, McDonald's can pay. Like, that is what 
Raiden's ideology is in this chapter. I also think, yeah, I, it's very, very frustrating that just, like, the, the way it works in this story is if you give people things for free, they don't uh, care about, like, uh, you know, working together in a group anymore. Um, which is, obviously, it's frustrating because that's just, like, as you alluded to, a, a really common and, and noxious and conservative idea in our society uh, but it's also really frustrating because I don't think it makes sense with the stuff that this book has established about how, like, having something to to focus on, like having work to concentrate on, lessens the pain. Yeah. Um, because, you know, uh, it's made clear that most of the people who are taking the food that Serenity's bringing are, like, devouring it all at once. And it's giving them, like, a stomach ache and then leaving them starving for days after that. Um so it's not as though, like, they're still in horrible pain. And you would think that if working for Rayadin is an effective form of pain relief, they'd have no reason not to, like, take the food and keep doing Rayadin's dirty work. And you know? also, like, Rayadin could easily turn that into, hey, we're building capital letters civilization here. Let's regulate mealtimes so that the people who get all this free food will, like come together communally and eat at the same time and then portion it throughout the day to make them feel better because then they won't eat all of it at once and we can like sort of get this these traditions moving of like set meal times and spreading that out and like like forming a community and like and i i think i think the reason he's not doing something like that is because he's hiding the fact that stuff is actually quite organized from sereni Right. Yeah. So like he's not going to say to Serini, hey, uh, I think this would work better if we uh, like doled out the food a little bit more like measuredly rather than handing it all out at once. He's not going to say that to her because then she would know all his like stuff that he's doing and she can't know because because. Well, but also he could just be like, OK, what I'm going to do is I'm going to show up at this place every six hours, and I'm going to eat a bite of food, and then everyone will see me doing that, and everyone will, like, start following me, because I'm super cool and my meat is huge. <laughs> and, uh, like, he, he he can set trends. He's, like, the king. Yeah. <laughs> I, I also, like, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I, I just, I don't know. I was really frustrated in, in these two chapters, uh, with, I mean, we, we talked about this last time, how it feels really artificial that Raiden has to conceal what he's doing from Sereni mm-hmm. and therefore can't get her to, like, do this food distribution in a way that actually, like, works well for what he's trying to do. Um, and in these two chapters, it actually really reminded me of, um, back in high school, I used to read uh, a lot of romance novels. And I also used to read a lot of romance novel reviews. Um, and one thing that a lot of the reviewers that I used to read would, like, kind of make fun of in uh, books that they felt were, like, kind of poorly written was this trope of the big misunderstanding. Um, because, like, for a romance novel to function, you know, you've got these two people. It's usually, it you know from the beginning of the book who the two people who are going to fall in love are. Um, mm-hmm. And usually, like, the spark between them is, is pretty evident from the beginning or at least you know they try to make it evident from the beginning um and so the question is okay why don't they just get together right away there's got to be something in the way um and you know that can be all kinds of different plot 
hooks, ways right. to make conflict in the story. Uh, but one really common way to do that, that, uh, you know, is kind of cheap, is to have there be some big misunderstanding between the two of them, where, like, one of them, you know, where they don't like each other because they believe something untrue about the other. And if they literally just said, like, one sentence to each other, it would all be cleared up. But that doesn't happen until, like, the last chapter. Right. Um, and that is exactly what this feels like to me. Like, it, if Rayadin was just like, hey, Sereni, I'm Rayadin. I'm trying to organize a society here. Let's work together. She would instantly be like, oh, you're Rayadin. That explains everything about all these feelings I have about you. Sure, let's work together, husband. So, <laughs> but It's a shame that you're so ugly now. <laughs> I mean, yeah, but... Well, and the other thing is that... Like... Because it it goes both ways, too, because he doesn't want to tell her this one thing that will just totally, like, make the plot no longer happen. It's one weird trick to um, make the plot die. <laughs> the thing that I found immensely frustrating in this chapter was, like, so it is revealed that Sereni is, like, they asked for, like, 20 pounds of steel, and she gave them, 20 like... sheets of steel first. Well, yeah, they asked for 20 sheets of steel, and she gave them, like, stuff that was, like... So thin, it was basically paper. And so they ask for 20 pounds of steel, and she gives them, like, 20 pounds of bent nails. Um, and I thought to myself, why is she doing that? And yeah. if if I can get ahead of, our, of, you know, this chapter a little bit, I was like, okay, well, surely in the Sereni chapter, Sereni, uh, from her point of view, will explain why she's giving them bullshit. And she does not do that she's subverting, she's subverting his machinations because she doesn't trust him i guess i guess i i think yeah i mean i think the answer is that she believes that the people she's giving stuff to are like awful gang leaders and she thinks that they're using everything except the food that she's bringing to like evilly control people in elantris mm-hmm. um because like she said that thing last time about like ah basic necessities are how one has power in elantris and i guess she wants to undermine their power um but again if she just knew that it's actually rayadin's power that she's undermining and like what he's trying to do with it she wouldn't be pulling all this bullshit and like the the whole the thing kind of hinges on like Sanderson's like faulty belief that these two people have not been like have not met each other before because it's like touched upon again in this chapter like Raiden's like uh his impression of her through the letters and the Skype calls was totally correct and she was so perfect for him um and like if she is perfect for him he probably knows that she is a very like politically savvy individual and he probably knows that he could tell her something and she would keep it a fucking secret uh if she knew that was his husband but he just is like oh well i've never really met her so can i trust her and like shut the fuck up brayden you met her you were on skype with her for hours every day (laughs) yeah there's a there's two paragraphs about this that that really like a, a section basically expressing that that just made me shake my head um, he's talking about how it's, like, frustrating and painful to be around his, his friends, like, um, you know, Shudin and Lukel and, like, this whole crew that Serini has been hanging out with. 
Uh, these are all like Raiden's old best friends. Um, and he has to kind of um, like conceal his mannerisms around them so that they don't catch on. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so it says, uh, he made a point of staying away from anyone who had known him too well, trying to be cheerful and friendly, but not open. Which was one reason why he found himself gravitating towards Serini. She hadn't known him before, and so he could discard his act around her. And uh, Like, what? <laughs> well, and also, like, some of his anxiety is that they won't keep the secret that he is here. But, like, literally their relationship before was founded on, like, let's keep the secret that we're trying to undermine my dad. Like... <laughs> Literally, yeah. the thing that brought them together was keeping a secret that would undermine the government. <laughs> like, yeah, it's I so weird. I don't fucking understand his motivations here. It's so flimsy. Um, and he's going around calling himself Spirit, which is what his name means. <laughs> <laughs> also, also. As he gets into, this is either at the pool where the Elantri dissolves or in the library where he's studying his, the Aeons. Um, it's just, there's a brief throwaway, throwaway line about how, oh, Raiden's name, like the Aeon for Rayo is like so cool and mysterious and Raiden can't figure out what it possibly means, which is just like very obvious foreshadowing that it's going to be the coolest and biggest Aeon of them all in some way. Uh, uh-huh. And I hate it. <laughs> I, yeah. I just hate it. That's all. <laughs> Spirit is an important word in Aeondor for reasons we'll get to at some point. Hopefully, if they're real. <laughs> but um, remember that this was almost called Spirit of Elantris. Oh, right. I did. I forgot that. Um, and I think Brandon kept that name as the name of the third act. Because he wanted to, he liked the name so much he wanted to keep it. Also, this book was almost called The City of Adonis. <laughs> that was also a thing. <laughs> but yeah, Sp- the word spirit is like in his mind a lot as he's writing this. So it must mean something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, um, that in a weird way, that reminded me of something else that is like in this chapter, not related to what we're talking about. Um, so Raiden is like, I have somehow deduced your backstory, Galadon. And Galadon, like... Well, he doesn't. He says, hey, why do you know so much stuff? Yeah. Yeah. He he doesn't 100% deduce everything. Mm-hmm. But, um, like, he and Galadon get to talking about Galadon's backstory, and Galadon is real sad about it, and, uh, like, we can get into that part later in a moment, but, like, the thing that really bugged me, uh... Is at the very end of it, Galadon says, "Like the thing that you don't, the, the thing that optimists don't understand about depressed people is that we don't want to be cheered up." And Raiden says, "Well, instead of cheering you up, can I say something true?" And it felt like it, it felt like all caps true. This is a big theme in the book. And he's like, "I appreciate and value your hard work, Galadon, and your friendship means a lot to me. And I'm gonna be really mad if Galadon's depression is cured the next time we see him because he had a good one good conversation with." Raiden. I want to be. I super don't think that's going to happen. This is the guy who wrote Kaladin Stormblast. Well, no, that's the guy who's going to write Kaladin Stormblast some years from now. 
Uh, he says, you optimists yeah. just can't understand that a depressed person doesn't want you to try and cheer them up. It makes us sick. Uh, if And he goes on to say, if New Elantra succeeds, uh, it will be because you were there to keep me from throwing myself off a building. And then Galadon is like, not happier, but like, what does it say? He's grateful. Grateful, yeah. Yeah, I... Uh, can we talk a little more, since we're on this, about about what Galadon's backstory is? Yes. I actually found it, I found it very revealing about what Elantris was before. Yeah. Um, because, so his, like, you know, he, he grew up in Elantris because his father was an Elantrian. So first of all, that means that Elantrians can have children, but their children are normal. Right. Um, that's... Interesting. Or um, did he have a kid before he was an Elantrian? I this was mm. unclear to me because I also wanted to know it was his mom an Elantrian or just his dad. I think it's just his dad. It. I guess it's not clear. Um, yeah. No. I guess she must have because. Um, well. Hmm. So. So we know that his mother died of disease. And that it, he says, uh, some diseases strike so quickly, even Elantris can't stop them. So, I actually don't know if that means some diseases strike so quickly that even the, like, divine Elantrian condition from before the Rayod can't prevent those diseases from taking hold. Or if he means some strike so quickly that, like, Elantrian healers can't get there uh, in time. The line says, some diseases strike so quickly, even Aeon Dor can't stop them. So. Oh, that's a difference between my edition and yours. He clarified it because people like me were confused. <laughs> oh, okay, I forgot that we have different <laughs> different versions. I got two versions. It's um, useful. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, the magic system Aeon Door couldn't help with whatever happened because mm-hmm. it was so fa- so quick. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Um, and then also his father, well, okay, again, I want to see if maybe this changed between editions, because this was unclear to me as well, um, because his father also died. Yes. Um, of uh, heart after... death. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> it says heart death in yours too? Yes. What does that mean? What is does heart, that mean death? heart death? It's like Goku. <laughs> okay. There are two... Th- I feel like there are two things this could mean. Either it means, like, heart disease, like he had a heart attack, uh-huh. mm-hmm. or it means, like, he died of a broken heart because his only son left him. Well, uh-huh. it says later, my father knew the signs of heart death. He could have gone in to be healed, but he chose to stay in his study and disappear, just like those aeons you spend so much time drawing. So, so I read it as, like, yeah, he he could somehow sense that he had, like, a heart murmur or, or something like that coming on and just chose not to treat it. But what the fuck is yeah. heart death? <laughs> I feel like that's pretty obvious. It's heart death. <laughs> I I also think it's, like, I, I definitely think that the idea that Elantrians can get sick and that, like, that they naturally live a long time, but that they do suffer disease in the same way that normal humans do. And that, like, the only thing that keeps them from it is that they just have free access to Aeon Door that can heal them at any time. Um, and the idea that, that there were... Whether or not Elantrians can have normal children after they become Elantrians, 
the fact that there were like normal children living in Elantris, which and, we like, didn't know Nor- about before, that was a yeah, shock to like, me. These are these are huge revelations about what was going on in Elantris, and like, yeah, I know Elantris was like quite secretive up until even ten years ago, but like. We saw this scene where Rayadin was, like, brought into the city to be healed, and you would think if there were non-Elantrians around, he would see them and, and notice that. Yeah. And, like, if like if non-Elantrians have non-Elantrian children, and even, like, maybe his, we can't tell for sure, but, like, maybe his mother was not Elantrian, in which case, I mean, that does sort of make sense. Like, if, if you get turned into an Elantrian and you have to go live in Elantris, like, why wouldn't you bring your family with you? So there should be lots of non-Elantrian people in Elantris right. ten years ago. Right. But then the It should be common knowledge. So but the the revolution happened. And everybody forgot that there or were died. Remember they killed all the Elantrians. Right, but uh, but I'm saying like even like okay, there is this this impression that, like, the people of Kai today have of what Elantris was in the past, right? Mm-hmm. And it doesn't actually seem to match up with the things that Galadon is telling us about what Elantris was in the past. And I don't think that just, like, sort of the mystery of Elantris is enough for that to make sense to me. Yeah, it it, <clears throat> it, it just raises a lot of questions about, like, like, was this... Something that Raiden knew and just never thought to remark upon to the, like, you know, reader of the novel. Like, it just, it feels disjointed. It it feels like a, re- a revelation that should not be a revelation. Because it feels like it's something that should have been touched upon before now. Well, then it kind of feels like maybe Galadon is meant to be an, uh, an abnormal resident of... That might be true, too. Of Elantris, of like, yeah. usually it's just Elantrians living here, but Galadon's dad was one, and he lived with him, and that was just what happened. I mean, but there's Galadon, no clarification. Yeah. Galadon does talk about how he felt like he didn't belong in Elantris, so maybe there are a few, uh, a handful of non-Elantrians, but it's like 99%. But also, he doesn't feel that way because... He right, says, he feels that way because he's from the Duladel Republic. Yeah, and he says... And I... Yeah. I, I guess this has something to do with the thing that's already been established where the... Um, what is the transformation? Is it... Was it called the Rayode before? The Rayode is, is the that normal only... one, and the Shayode is the bad one? Is that I right? think the I think the Rayode is the event that transformed the old transformation into the Shayode, I believe is how what happened i believe the riode is an event and the shayode is the transformation now i do not recall what the transformation was called before the fall of elantris so okay um so the the point that i'm trying to make is uh it's been established in previous chapters that um that the the transformation that turns people into elantrians uh both before and after the riode um, primarily took people of, like, Aralene and Teoish descent, mm-hmm. uh, and only sometimes uh, the Dula, which had something to do with, like, the relationship of these ethnic groups to each other in a way that was, you know, kind of hinky. Um, but uh, I guess that might mean that, um, that Galadon's father, as a Dula, 
was already himself kind of lonely in Elantris, and maybe that's why he brought his child with him, even though that wouldn't have been normal for most Elantrians. That, that would make sense. sense. Oh. Uh, which means that most Elantrians are leaving normal families behind to come to Elantris. Harsh. <laughs> Sorry, wife. I gotta take off. I'm God now. Jedi. <laughs> yeah. They're Jedi. <laughs> Yeah, but, like, what if Jedi just fucked off when they were 35? Yeah. <laughs> um. You want to talk about the lake? Yeah. Yeah, okay. The The lake also did not make a ton of sense to me, because I, I felt like I missed some connective tissue, too. They go get this guy from the Hall of the Fallen, and then... They were very suddenly in a very different place. I could not understand what the place they were in they was. They were led through the streets by the Hoed. Hoed. The Hoed? Hoed. Hoed. The Hoed. <laughs> um, and they went to this building and then they got inside and then they used a switch to open the floor. Okay. And they were like, oh, look at all these books. Oh, there's, also, there's no slime here. That's weird. Check it out. No slime. No slime. Um, a slime captain. Uh, and then they go through a tunnel and they come out on the mountainside. Okay. In okay. the span of a paragraph. It's so quick. And then they find a pool it's of all... water. And they put the guy in it and he dissolves. He dissolves like sugar. <laughs> in tea. Yeah. And uh, they, they get the idea to put him in the lake or the pool from like some some paintings on the walls of this building that they enter, right? Um, that shows someone like going into a lake, maybe. Yeah. Their their interpretation of it is is pretty like, uh, I don't know, quick and dirty in my opinion. Like the way that the images are described, it feels to me like it could have meant a lot of other things other than put the person in the water. <laughs> yeah, I, I. I suspect that this is like some setup for next time we check in with Raiden he's going to be reading a bunch of the books in this place um, probably yeah but um, they should drink it <laughs> the the stuff that really jumped out to me about the pool was that at the start of this chapter we get uh Raiden continuing to reflect on how the pains of Elantrist seem to be affecting him more than everybody else um <sighs> jerk off motion <laughs> extremely he's it and, and it's it's so over the top that at the start of the chapter i thought maybe like brandon was setting up like oh raiden is being self-centered and thinks he has it so much harder than everybody else and he's gonna have a conversation with somebody else who's like no i also have it really hard and like you know Working on new Elantris just helps me get over it. Like, I, I thought that's what we were doing for a second time, I guess. But then, at the end of this chapter, we get to the pool, and as he's standing by the pool, the pool is calling to him, and he ha he belongs in the pool. This is his pool. It was made for him. Um, mm -hmm. Like, and he, like, swears Galadon, like, hey, if I ever get too, uh, if, if my sanity meter ever drops too much, like, you gotta put me in the pool so I become a sugar cube. Uh, it's, it's just, like, why, why is Raiden the super mega cool guy who feels pain more than everybody else, and that makes him even cooler? Like, why, 
what is going on here? Yeah. Well, he has kingly blood. (laughs) (laughs) He has kingly blood from a king who became a king ten years ago. That's not important. (laughs) Butts in the throne. Uh Um. I want to, like, I guess speculate a little bit about what we're meant to think is going on with this uh, mysterious building that they go to. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, uh, it's it's made clear it, that, that this building seems to, like, the way that they open it is, um, you know, there's like a, a stone that you press and it opens a lever or some shit. It's, um, you know, very classic, like, ah, entering an ancient temple. Um, kind of thing. Uh, but, you know, they take notice of, uh, let's see, who is it who actually says it? Um, I forget. But someone points out, like, oh, it's interesting that they would have, like, a, a physical mechanism like that when everything else in Elantris just, like, ran on Aeons. Mm-hmm. Um, like, it has it has an Aeon on it, Aeon tie, that means open, but it, it's not actually, like, a magic door. It's It's just a physical lever. Um, and, and the place doesn't have any slime on it, which somebody speculates is because it, like, doesn't have any, yeah, so it's not, um, yeah, no aeons, no slime. Coincidence? Galadon asked. So I assume it's not fucking coincidence. It seemed like the Um, biggest coincidence in the world to me until Galadon is like, I think these are connected. I was like, why? <laughs> so, all right. I, I think that the characters pointing it out in this way is, is very, like, weird and obvious and kind of a strange leap of logic. But I, but we got to assume it's correct because that's the way this story has been working so far. <laughs> when the characters make absurd leaps of logic, they're not wrong. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> so based on what we've gotten in this chapter, I think that the slime that they're seeing everywhere is, like, door... like a misdirected door that is like accumulating so like there's this power everywhere in the air and when elantris was functioning it was constantly being used to do stuff now aeon door doesn't work anymore so the door is just like piling up as goo uh and this is the only building in all of elantris where they didn't use aeons to do everything so it doesn't have that goo maybe and i think go on sorry you can go on I was going to say, maybe he should try writing some aeons in the goo, then. Yeah, that's not a terrible idea. Um, but, uh, so, my my further thought is that, okay, this is the pool that you can use to, uh, to dissolve someone whose door is not functioning. Um, so I think that the door somehow going wrong was like a known problem in Elantris, but something that they they kept very secret, Mm -hmm. at least from outsiders, and that they built this building and this pool as a way of, like, dealing with cases like that. And that's why they don't have any Aeons working in here, because, like, if I'm guessing, I don't know, if if the door is already having trouble, you want the place that is your, like, door problem-fixing place to not run on the door. That just seems, like, logical. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm also Um, wondering if the, like, anecdote we get about um, somebody being healed incorrectly, I was like, because I I thought the same things, or similar things to what you were thinking, that, like, maybe the Elantrians, like, 
were catching on that like something was going to happen or that the door was starting starting to fail and i started to wonder like is that anecdote about somebody being healed and there being like a flash of red light like is that going to be significant in the near future i can't quite like make all the connections but like i think that what that story was about is somebody messed up writing the symbol Mm -hmm. and so the effect of that was that the door was mismanaged what if that same thing is happening to the transformation right like like something got messed up and so the tubes are clogged not so much that um this was a problem that had was creeping up on them before the fall. Mm-hmm. I feel like th- it was yeah. just sort of like an anecdote to like draw a parallel to the transformation, like in its current state, not to like suppose a rot. This is maybe the first time on this podcast that like we've read like clues that like Brandon Sanderson has given us to like the core mystery and have had different like speculation answers on like the clues. That's exciting. He decided to like, you know, I have do a... something with mystery. You want me to other... you want more speculation? What if yeah. that guy didn't di- didn't disappear? What if he went somewhere? That's what I was thinking. I was like, I don't know if that guy's dead. I don't what, know. What if this is like a Breath of the Wild transformation where you turn into liquid and go up into the sky? You know. <laughs> Wait, what does that mean? Well, I don't. I don't know anything about video games. So what does it There's, mean? A Breath of the Wild. The, transformation? In Breath of the Wild, the like visualization of your fast travel is like becoming these little blue strands of light that go up into the sky, and also like there's some. Stuff where, like, a drop of weird blue light will drop onto your screen of your iPad that Link has <laughs> to download stuff. And it's just, I was just thinking about that when this happened. Like, what if you just, like, disintegrated and, like, teleported somewhere? This is a pr- yeah, that makes kind sense. of far-fetched, but what mm. if there's just now just an old man out there somewhere? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I definitely think there's a very real possibility that something more complicated than just, like, the guy's gone mm-hmm. happened. Um, uh, I, I I still hold to my, this is the solution to, like, failed door. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think that also explains, like, why this uh, old hoeyed man wanted to be taken to the lake. Yeah. Because, like, because he was an Elantrian before, he knows that when you have door problems, you go to that lake. The yeah. other thing um, to mention is the mural. Yeah. Uh, and specifically... Uh, the one showing someone falling into the lake? or uh, Okay, so a single mural depicted a large mirror-like blue oval... And Elantrian stood facing the oval, his arms outstretched and his eyes closed. He appeared to be flying toward the blue disc. The rest of the wall was black, though there was a large white sphere on the other side of the oval. I don't know what any of that is. It sounds... It It sounds significant. It sounds like it's implying that there's something on the other side of the lake. Like a... Whatever this white sphere is. Mm -hmm. So maybe there's like a ghost world it's like a ghost dimension (laughs) or maybe like maybe uh in some way 
one like becomes one with the door by doing this. Um, like, yeah. like you, that would make sense. Your energy like diffuses into the the fucking life stream. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, um. Well, do we want to talk about Serene? I'm down to talk sure. about Serene. I'm ready to do that. Yeah. Okay, uh, I'll take on the... I'll do the summary. After a trip to Elantris, Ash reports to Serene that Spirit is the new ruler in Elantris. But the fact that Spirit is deceiving Serene doesn't surprise or upset her very much. (laughs) She determines to remain aloof with Spirit, despite his trustworthiness and empathy for his fellow Elantrians. (laughs) Serene and her circle of nobles watch the former embroidery group go through their fencing exercises while they discuss recent developments in Kai, including Eodon's improving financial circumstances, Eodon's fleeing from Erlon toward Duladel, and Lukel's completion of a lucrative business deal. Serene scolds the women of the court for not being as brave as Tarina, who was the only one to accompany her to Elantris, and hopes this changes in the future. Serene realizes that she is repeating her same habits from Teod, where she was respected but did not have many friends or romantic prospects. Keen shows up and expresses worry over Serene's trips to Elantris, but declines to comment when she tries to spin the conversation to the rift between her father and him. Keen does say that he thinks Eodon is very paranoid and probably has secret passages in his castle. Deora, that's one of the women from the embroidery group slash fencing class, Believes that Serene harbors romantic feelings for Shudin, which Serene denies. Is Deora the Svordish wife of Lukel? I believe so. I think. Uh, that that <clears throat> sounds right. Um, I just said so a bunch of words. Someone... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, so I. You go. Yeah, I'm just gonna like quickly search the name Deora in my book and see if that's true. I'm gonna just uh, yeah. two very brief comments that I had about this chapter that like I don't think we need to expand on. One, I 100 percent forgot about the embroidery slash fencing club. <laughs> just like forgot that was an element of this novel. It has not come up in a long time. Two, also, we're reading three chapters a week. Yeah. Two. Um. Uh. Listening to the audiobook. And having characters named Eodon and Edon was a real struggle as I was trying to figure out why the fuck Eodon suddenly fled from uh, Elon, er, from Kai and why people were not more concerned about the king just leaving, just getting the fuck out of, it, of town. Yeah, <laughs> that feels like a major oversight. Yeah. Because they're spelled differently, but on the other hand, this, this uh, like, having a consistent pronunciation guide is supposed to be, like, this whole thing for this book, so... Yeah. You'd think it would have occurred to him. Anyway, that's uh. all I had to say about those two things. Uh, the rest of this chapter is kind of interesting, I guess. Uh, she's... It's definitely... <laughs> Uh, with that thing that I said about, like, the romance novel Big Misunderstanding, that's being leaned on even harder in this oh, chapter. Oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, that's why I kind of couldn't stop uh, break like laughing when I was reading the summary because it's like uh, it doesn't bother her that he's deceiving her. She decides to keep deceiving him. Why? Not clear. <laughs> well, and well, she sees him as an adversary, just like uh, Hraithan. She 
Right, but but why? <laughs> because he's cool and smart and hiding something from. Her. Well, I I think the reason that she sees him as an adversary is that she's just too clueless to realize she's really hot for him. Um, yes, which Deora like giving the note that says "Get out of my school." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's. Yeah, the, the summary doesn't actually give a good description of what the conversation between Deora and Serene is. Because, like, what Deora literally says is that she she's like, oh, you're into shooting, aren't you? I can tell. You have... But, like, specifically the reason she thinks that is that Serene has all the signs of a woman in love. Yes. And Serene is like, huh, I don't know why that could possibly be. <laughs> anyway, back to thinking about spirit. Back to thinking about this new man I recently met. <laughs> anyway... <laughs> Also, this is also the chapter where she says, thankfully, Shuden wasn't doing his really sexy Tai Chi. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, what else is in this chapter? Uh, it's, a lot of this chapter is eaten up with, like, Serene just being pretty clueless about her own feelings, um, in a way that is like, it really felt like it was like just like beating it over the head, like, oh, I've discovered some amount of dramatic irony. Let me just like really drive it the fuck home, you know? Yeah. Um. <clears throat> um. Yeah. I. The other like major element of this chapter is like. Basically, um... Ian made it. Yes. All all of Serene's plans have worked out pretty much exactly... Just scraping by. Uh, yeah. Sorry, I thought you were saying Serene is just scraping by. Like, no, Serene is... Her plans succeeded, not by a wide margin. But she doesn't... Like, basically all of her plans have succeeded. So far, yeah. Yeah, like, she has defeated Hraithan in, like, public opinion of Elantris... We'll talk about we'll talk it. About, we'll talk about. I it. don't think. I don't think. Uh, I don't think she gets that kill. <laughs> I don't think that one goes on her scorecard. We'll get there anyway. She's defeated Harithin <clears throat> in like the public opinion of Elantris. She's foiled his plans to put Tellery on the throne, uh, at least through like conventional means. Like a lot of this chapter is t- concerned with just like. Serene, everything is like everything's coming up, Serene, and like, but also I just found myself confused often because of like weird name stuff and like. Do you remember who Eden is? No, that's he was he was one of the dudes in like the Serene's uncle club. Right, he's the one. He was the most bitter one, right? He he was the poorest yes. one and the most desperate one. Yes, yes. Okay, he's not the fat one. No. That's Ihan. God. Not not (laughs) Idan. Yeah, it honestly I think it's kind of uh weird how how much these people aren't bothered by someone in their like small clique of like conspirators being like financially ruined and having to leave the kingdom. Yeah, it seems Um, like they're it seems like they're pretty like cheery almost about it like ah fuck that guy (laughs) 
In a weird way. I mean, Lukel certainly is. Lukel is basically being a total asshole about this and is like, ah, I never liked him anyway. He wouldn't, he, he would, he would have betrayed us the first chance he got. I'm glad he's gone. Um, and, uh, everyone else is just kind of like, well, that's Lukel. <laughs> he says, Eden decided to cut his losses and was last seen headed for Doolittle, where he'll soon discover that the new monarchy is rather unimpressed with Arlene titles. But I think he'll make a nice farmer. Um, also it's touched on in this chapter, I think, I think it's Lukel, like, somehow got, like, a shipment of, like, cool fruits that nobody else has gotten yet, and he's selling them at, like, a high markup, and I was like, does this matter, or is this, like, is this foreshadowing for, like, Lukel is gonna, like, become mega rich soon, or is this just, like, a thing that's happening? Sour melons. Yeah, sour melons. Which are red and small. So they're, like, strawberries, basically? Not that small. Okay. Anyway, it's not apple sized. This doesn't matter. Um, yeah, I could not tell if I, like Lukel stuff here was foreshadowing or if it was just like a little detail that he threw in. You know, who can say? Maybe I definitely think. Sorry, no, you go on. ahead. I definitely think that this element of like Lukel being really self satisfied that he's made a good business deal. And, like, that being, like, emphasized several times in this chapter. Like, I think that's meant to be at a meaningful character point. I don't really know what we're meant to make of it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, Like, my best guess is that Lukel is gonna turn out to, like, betray this group. Because, I mean, not really because I have any, like, good reason for thinking that. But just, like, he was the one who was always closest to Rayadan in the first place. And... Uh, and this is, like, a slightly, I don't know, like, rude or, like, unpleasant side of him. Right. Uh, so th- that's kind of just a shot in the dark, me being like, oh, yeah, Luke Hell's gonna turn out to be a traitor, but, um, those are the vibes I'm reading. Yeah, for sure. Um, also there's stuff with Keine in this chapter, I guess. This chapter is, like, really disjointed, in a way that, like, the the Raiden chapter is extremely disjointed, but is united by a common thread of brain blast. This chapter is just <laughs> disjointed, I feel like, where somebody else walks into the scene and is like, alright, I have other information to deliver to you, Serini. Yeah. Also, Serini tries to do the Raiden backstory brain blast, and yeah, doesn't make it. just rolls with two on it, you know? Like, <laughs> Keon's like, you will not, you've not passed your persuasion check on me, young lady. You'll have to bribe me 100 gold before I'll talk to you. <laughs> <laughs> um, I honestly, I honestly think it's really kind of weird that, like, uh, so I know that, you know, uh, Keen has bad blood with Serini's father, and neither of them will speak of it. I think that's kind of strange. Like, if they still both, like, really hate each other, and it seems like they do, you'd think one or the other of them would be eager to tell Serini about how much the other one sucks. Or, you know? or like, they're, they're both often portrayed as, like, the wise old men. Like, they're both that character. And surely one of them mm-hmm. is, like, I regret a lot of things from my past. Let me tell you about what happened so that you don't have to, like... But I don't regret my falling out with that other guy. He was a real <laughs> jerk. Like, like it just seems like one of them would have, like, kind of regretfully told her about it. And, like, oh, I was a I was Your a brothers, youth. right? Yeah, they're brothers. I'm gonna write on the board, Elantrian's sister. Ah... Uh... 
Okay. I uh, <laughs> that's a I I I know that that is maybe that feels like even more of a shot in the dark than uh, Lukel betrayal, <laughs> but I I'm full. <laughs> on board with that theory. I guess Galadon has introduced to this book that anybody could have a secret Elantrian family member. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, who knows? Uh, yeah. Th- that's my... It yeah. w- I do think that clicks with both of them being really secretive about it. Uh, if it's not just a matter between the two of them, but it has some, like, outside secret that they both still want to... Right, because if it was a matter between the two of them, like, surely one of them would have said something. But if it was, like, a third party whose secret they wanted to keep, that would make sense. Also does not have to be an old Elantrian. Could be a new, bad Elantrian. Um, yeah. Kind of like how Eodon is hiding the Mm -hmm. fact that Rayadin is in Elantris. Although... If if Serini had an aunt who had died within the last ten years, I think she'd know about it. And that. it would have been mentioned in, like, four different chapters for no apparent reason. <laughs> hmm. um, um, but but we'll see. Uh, you know what? I I should give this book less credit, because sometimes, they, sometimes foreshadowing, like, really beats you over the head, and sometimes things come out of nowhere, like Diloph being secretly 50. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, speaking of Diloph being 50 I just turned back to an earlier chapter And found a clue about that <laughs> Oh? Because he does talk to Diloph about Did you see Elantris before its fall? And like So Diloph was there And like An adult 10 years ago And Hraithan just never put those pieces together? I mean sure he could have been like 15 to 20 at the time okay. But you know just anyway. thinking about how that did get brought up very early on, and we just forgot about it because it was chapter, what, six? Yeah. And that was a year yeah. ago? <laughs> it wasn't a year <laughs> not, ago. Not that long. But, anyway. anyway. Do you want to talk about Hraithan? I? Oh, yes. I could talk about Hraithan. This is the best chapter <clears throat> of the book so far. <laughs> <laughs> and it's the shortest. This shit rules. <laughs> chapter 27. Hraithan was hot. Raythan learns that his plan to dethrone Eodon by ruining him financially will not work he also sees that Diloph is seizing control of the Doretha Chapel leaving Raythan with little power and threatening his plans to convert Arlon peacefully Raythan's other plot to demonize the Elantrians is being effectively neutralized by Sereni additionally Raythan is similarly plagued by his own loss of faith in his religion the strains of these failures weigh heavily upon him, and he collapses to the floor, lying there in pain in his heavy armor, praying for hours. Raythan's supplications are interrupted by a priest who delivers a package that was requested from the apothecary Fortin, a subject of Ravel. Yes! <laughs> Raythan was planning to poison Diloph with the contents of the vials within, but changes his mind and ingests the poison himself. End of Act One. Yes. Yes. I shouted in my car. I was so excited when this happened. To be clear, <laughs> let's talk about this. Uh, inside the package, packed in hay, was a rack containing four vials. My Lord Hraithan, the note read, "Here is the poison you requested. All of the effects are exactly as you specified. The liquid must be ingested, and the victim won't display any symptoms until about eight hours afterward." In all things, praise to Lord Jadath, Fortin, apothecary and loyal subject of Wern. And so, there's first of all, write it, write it down. There's three more vials. 
Yes. Of poison. And there's eight hours where Hraithan is going to do whatever he's got to do. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I have an idea. Uh, can I say, before you get into speculating, Yeah. I was just so taken in this chapter with just the imagery of, like, this, like, priest of this, like, evil ambition of this evil religion of ambition and greed uh laying on the floor like writhing in his heavy armor and praying for mercy that's just good shit that's just like good shit for me <laughs> um like hraithan's character just suddenly starts to like like fire on all cylinders for me in this chapter um and it helps that it's, like, just short. It's just, like, Hraithan's at a really low point and just drinks some fucking poison that we don't know what it's gonna do. Yeah. Yeah, what... So, I want to hear what your thoughts were on this, Nora. What do you think's going on with this poison? I think... Uh... So, I think he's going... I think it's... He's gonna fake his death. Mm-hmm. And pin it on yes. Diloph because yes! he says he says killing Diloph isn't enough. He needs something more spectacular. What's better than faking well, your death and pinning it on Diloph? <laughs> <laughs> so I I do think we should we should keep in mind. At no point has it been stated that this poison would kill anyone. Yes. Um. I went back and looked. In the chapter where we initially saw Fortin, it was very uh, vague and cagey about what exactly the poison yes. does. Hraithan was just sort of like, I need you to make me that poison. But you know, he also that says one. that Fortin says that it would require to only to mix two things he already has. So we could assume that it has two effects. Okay. Or, like, hmm. some combination yeah. thereof. But, like, my 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 number one guess is fake death. I don't know how he would have used it on Diloph. Mm-hmm. Um, I just like that the book has now given us a timer. That in, in eight hours, something cool is going to happen. And we're going to get probably a, at least one chapter of setting up that cool thing. Maybe a couple chapters. Um, I mean, what is the next chapter? Like... 28 mm-hmm. out of 55? Yeah. 45? But but I don't think, I don't think, all I'm saying is, I don't think the rest of the book is going to be the next eight hours. That's no, all I'm saying I, is, I think we're going to get one or two Hraithan chapters of setting up whatever his plan is. Yeah. And then, like, plan going into motion, and we're probably going to have incomplete information like, I'm just excited about that. I don't know what's gonna fucking happen next. <laughs> uh, oh. Uh, oh. Okay. Fake Elantrian. Fake Elantrian. <gasps> oh, shit. That would be, that would have been a great thing to do to Diloph in the first place. Yeah. Oh, my God. Uh, so I, think that, <laughs> I think that makes a lot of sense. Um,. Something that is is nagging at the back of my mind is that in the initial scene where uh, Hraithan ordered this poison, he asked for at least two doses. Yeah. Uh, and first of all, love that Fortin came through with double the amount he asked for. <laughs> He's uh, a homie. You can, you can always rely on Fortin a subject approval. <laughs> um, 
But but also that definitely implies to me that I mean maybe he just wanted a backup in case uh, in case uh, Diloff didn't take the first dose for whatever reason. But it kind of seems like he had something more complicated in mind than just poison Diloff. End of story. In the first place, um, I don't know. Maybe we'll never find out what that was because he's abandoned that plan. But uh, I I really like. If I was a writer and I was going to put an, and I put an extra bottle of poison in my book, you know somebody is going to take the extra bottle of poison at some point. <laughs> I just want to re- read oh, something yeah. back from you know oh back in chapter eighteen back when we met Fortin. That's subject mm-hmm. to trouble. Um, Fortin was a drug addict, a heretic, and a hypocrite, but he was still an invaluable resource. <laughs> Same, buddy. After all, Jav had created all men, even the heretics. <laughs> I love this guy. It also notes in chapter 18 that he's always drugged, which I assume means high. Yeah. Um, which he's is why we... sweet guy. We do know yeah. that... It definitely says that he likes to smoke. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so yeah, I think we can safely assume he's he's uh, enjoying that reefer. <sighs> it's a it's a short one, but it's a good one. It's I don't great. Know. This is the most excited I've been reading this book. <laughs> I like I say, I shouted. I like involuntarily shouted in my car and on the podcast. <laughs> Now, I do think there's one thing that I want to say that I think is not very effective about this chapter. Yeah. I do think we're maybe supposed to think that Hraithan has just committed suicide. And that's not even slightly plausible to me. Yeah, because, no. Because it's been so cautious not to say what the poison does, right? Um, uh, and because Hraithan has been having this like intense crisis of faith and like conflict within himself, and he's at this terrible low point, and he feels like everything he's doing is failing... Um, so I, I feel like there's an attempt to pull the wool over our eyes and make us think Hraithan is dead as a cliffhanger. Um, and I don't think that for a second. No, yeah, uh, absolutely However, not. I wonder... However, the I, it doesn't matter because what happened is a good cliffhanger. Yeah. <laughs> I almost wonder if, like, Brandon is going to, like, break the format at the start of Act 2 and, like, we're going to get to Chapter 30 and it's going to be not from Hraithan's perspective. I think that's true. I think we know that. Do we? I think when we were planning the podcast, we noted that uh, the only only the first act has this reliable structure. Okay, okay. I don't I don't remember that. Oh shit! Um, so I think that would be fun if like Brandon just let us think that Hraithan uh, was dead. That does mean we might not get a Hraithan uh, chapter every week. That would be disappointing because Hraithan is the best character in this book. That's true. <laughs> what if we got a what if we got a Diloff chapter? That would be kind of sick, actually. That would be kind of sick. I can't I can't believe I've come around on Diloff. <laughs> <laughs> I hated that motherfucker at the start of this. <laughs> Igor coded. <laughs> <laughs> it's great how, like, just... It's so easy to get me back in. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 27 chapters, like, 26 chapters of complaining and one good one, and I'm back. <laughs> I'm not back. I, I I'm feel here like, for the first time. I feel like the Sereni chapter was the real weak link this week, because, I mean, okay, the Rayadin chapter had a lot of the problems that this book has historically had, in that it was long, 
and it had the characters making leaps of logic that came out of nowhere. Um, but it also, I think, had it had something you could grab onto and start to think about what's actually going on with the magic in this book. And- which, like, I think... I think the Rayadin chapters have been struggling to do this whole time, and it, it's finally actually succeeding in that a little yeah, bit. Yeah, it feels like there's, like, a um, momentum to the Rayadin chapter that, like, usually I associate the Sereni chapters as the ones where, like, things happen, but, like, Sereni felt pretty inert this week, and, like, Rayadin is like, oh, there's, like, movement, and sure, there's, like, a lot of, like, weird jumps in logic, but, like, something's happening, and there's, like, intrigue. Yeah. I'm excited, even though I just looked over at your screen and got spoiled on something. <laughs> oh no! I didn't That's why see. I closed I did, that tab. I did not see whatever <laughs> you got spoiled on, so it's fine. It'll be fine. Yeah. Uh, uh I'm. Uh, I'm wondering. Uh, what if? What if Hraithen like converts? Oh, because he's having. Cause, cause he's having a crisis of faith. He's best homies with uh, that priest from the other religion, Shukora. Omen, omen. Thank you. And we we we've speculated before that there was maybe going to be like a, a Hraith and face turn. Right? Yes. Yeah. Um. That and and I think it's of interest that what's he what he's praying for during this like I don't know eight hour armored prayer session <laughs> um, is he's praying for aid compassion and mercy yes and i don't think i don't think that's what jadith yeah exactly that i meant to mention that earlier and i forgot thank you like those are not things that i associate with jadith at all um like it's good it's i i don't know what i don't know what horizon's up to we'll find out Or or we won't if we don't get a Hraithan chapter for a while. <laughs> Maybe it'll just be a mystery. Chapter 50, Hraithan shows back up and is like, I did a bunch of cool things off screen and we're all like, damn it. Chapter 50, <laughs> Hraithan shows up. He's swole. <laughs> he's, I think he's already swole. I think you have to be swole to wear heavy armor no, everywhere. No, because Sereni points out that either he's swole or that's fake armor. It's thin and ceremonial armor. Mm. And we've never really gotten a confirmation of either of those. But we do know that he's hot. I mean... We do know that he's hot. (laughs) (laughs) And scarred. Mysteriously. Oh, yeah. There was all that stuff about the other arts. The other arts. (laughs) God, I can't... I I hope we get something about what the hell that was. Like, I don't know if we're going to get, like, a straight-up flashback chapter. That doesn't really seem like this book's style but i hope we get some sort of intimation of like what happened to him act two somebody's going to explain the monks <laughs> <laughs> that's our chapters for this week yeah yeah we're in a much better mood than we were last episode <laughs> and we only recorded for an hour <laughs> all it took was a little poison <laughs> look if you put a poisoner in your story it'll get better yeah um Mark, where can people find you online? Uh, you can find me at my Twitter account, at Char Asnablunt. Uh, you can find my other podcast, Higgledy Piggledy Whale Statements, uh, on the Abnormal Mapping Network. Uh, it's abnormalmapping.com slash whale. Uh, that's a podcast about Moby Dick. Um, our, our most recent episode that's going to come out like uh, on Friday... Uh, so probably like maybe a day or two after this comes out, 
um, or something like mm-hmm. that, is also about uh, shit getting real in that book because they finally see a whale. Yo! <laughs> Almost as exciting as someone poisoning <laughs> Autumn, how about you? So yeah, that's me. You can find me on Twitter at autumnal underscore coffee. Just yesterday, I re- uh, recorded um, a long fucking episode of Hot Singles, where we were joined once again by Marcy. Um, so I'm going to probably edit that tonight and tomorrow, and that'll be up on the Patreon probably like three hours before this is up on the Patreon. <laughs> I'm going to try and just get these both docked out tomorrow. So, uh, yeah, look forward to that. You can find me on Twitter at either Nora. You can find my new stream at exportodd.io slash video, which is the export video YouTube channel, where every Wednesday I stream Oblivion. Yeah. Comma, the Elder Scrolls 4, colon. We've got extreme Elder Scrolls hyperfixation brain in this apartment right now, and you're probably going to get a lot of content out of it. Yeah. I'm also going to do a Let's Play of Battlespire. Oh, At least a little bit of one. Um, Because I installed uh, the only existing... Battlespire mod on Nexus, which is easy mode. <laughs> and it just doubles your damage and health and halves the enemy's damage and health. Good. It also makes your spells cast, co- cost half as much. Anyway, also I, I want to do more Let's Plays and do more videos of, of weird computer RPGs and stuff. So yeah. check that out. Check out our YouTube channel. Go to exportodd.io just by itself to go to the Patreon. Give us some money. Uh, so that I can make another podcast. Yeah. We've got some plans in the works for some Patreon-exclusive podcasts coming up soon. Uh, and I think you're gonna enjoy it. If, yeah. It, we've, we've teased them before, but if you like, uh, rubber suits, not that kind of rubber suit, <laughs> you know, like a, sort of a big iguana, maybe, you might call it. Okay. Anyway, let's get out of here. Let's get out of here. Until next time, thanks, Brandon. Thanks, Brandon. Thanks, Brandon. (laughs) So different this time. You have to wait for audacity. As we were ending the... Yeah.